Okay, hello everyone and welcome to Not Another Whiskey Podcast, a whiskey podcast like few others, where you have myself, Mitch Beshard, and the pint-sized whiskey master, Daz Haldane, relaxing you into whatever day it is you are listening to this on, hopefully with a dram in hand, sitting somewhere nice. Pint-sized, mate. Pint-sized. Like, like it's pint yeah. kind of pint-sized. It's nice. I, I know. It's, it's usually a, a, a sort of slate on my uh, state, stature or, or my nose. Usually those are the two things you focus on. It's good. At least you're consistent. I think you're one of the few people that I can actually slag off about their height. So yeah. you know, I don't get that very often. <laughs> totally. Milk it. <laughs> no, indeed, Mitch. Uh, today we're jumping straight in with a, a 30 minutes with. It's Julianne Fernandez, who is the master blender for Distel. Uh, and we're very familiar with their brands, obviously Deanston, Black Bottle, Tobermory, which includes Lejeg as well, and the iconic Buna Havens. So Julianne, hello, and welcome to Not Another Whiskey Podcast, and thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Hello, thank you very much for inviting me on, it's lovely to be here. What's, uh, what's happening in the world of, of a master blender? You know, what's, what's going down? Um, I would say nothing too exciting, but I'm sure for other people it is actually very exciting what I can attend to do um, day to day. So yeah, just now we're really busy with limited editions. Um, you obviously mentioned Bonna Haven there. We've got a lot coming up with Fegio. Yeah, um, yeah there, there's a lot going on just now. Are you are you going to be on Isla for Fej? Absolutely, yes. Oh, so I'm actually, uh, I'm on holiday just before it, but I'm back in time. So it will be the Thursday I go over and um, get a few things to do on the Thursday. And then we'll be at the wonderful distillery the full day on Friday. So yeah, I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. Because like you say, back back in person, back actually meeting people, doing things live um, with an audience. So I'm really, really looking forward to Fej this year. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there with you. I'll be there with you. Um, and, it, and it'll be nice because it'll probably be the first time, it's the first time I've been in since all the refurby stuff. I've been down a few times, but I've not actually been in the distillery. So I, I look forward to that. And I'm sure we'll have a few tasty things to, to enjoy whilst we're there. Daz, are you leaving me at home? Am I coming? I, sorry, Mitch, you didn't get an invite. Oh, what? Did so I not good. tell you that? Okay, that's fine. Uh, that's fine. Sorry. <laughs> now, Julianne, I, I'd, I'd like to start off by saying, you know, also welcome to the show. And also congratulations on your recent award, uh, Icons of Whiskey Award for Scottish Master Blend of the Year. Youngest person ever, I believe, to win that award, which is unbelievable. I remember seeing your Instagram feed and I think you had your mum with you during the presentation <laughs> at the table. I mean, that, you must have been very, must be very proud of that award, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I was actually off on maternity leave um, and the organisers of the event kept phoning the, the contact at Distel saying, oh, you know, is Julianne going to attend? And they were like, she's off on maternity leave, so probably not. And they kept phoning saying it would be really good if she was there. So <laughs> kind of last minute they phoned um, and said, are you can you go? So this was the Tuesday they phoned me and it was on the Thursday and I was like, well, with childcare, things like that, like I've got two under two, so it's a bit manic in my Jeez, house. right, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. So I said to my <laughs> husband, like, can you watch the boys on Thursday and I'm going to go to this award ceremony. So yeah, took my mum along as my, as my plus one. We were sitting at this table with people that we'd never met before. Um, you know what it's like with these award dinners, it started off quite kind of prim and proper. And then uh, as the drinks went down, because I wasn't expecting to, to win anything, um, I was kind of letting my hair down, enjoying it, child free. It was quite fun. And then when they um, started announcing the award, they said, oh, um, this person had an unconventional route into the whiskey industry. They started doing forensics. And I kind of went, oh, my goodness. And my mum went, oh, do you know her? 
Is that, like, is that what she said? <laughs> and I was like, I think it's me. And she was like, oh. So yeah, the, the, then there was obviously all the tears and snorter, but I think that was just too much champagne and too much whiskey probably. So yeah, yeah. it was honestly completely taken aback, but absolutely over the moon because like you say being so young winning that award um it really does mean a lot to me and it, not to blow my own trumpet but I have put in so much kind of hard work like dedication um and it's lovely that that's been recognized so yeah thank you very much I, I appreciate you mentioning that yeah and you, you've kind of touched on this already Julianne and um you do have a very different background and it is a it's fascinating really and, and your your background was in forensics now I mean, how, first of all, how was that? Really interested to hear a little bit more about it. And then how did you end up getting into whiskey? And, and you have to answer this question in your best Taggart voice, if you don't mind. That would be great. <laughs> There's no chance I'm even going to attempt that. It's been a murder. Boona Haven as a word would be a good word in that accent. Boona Haven. Boona Haven. <laughs> Honestly, you know, my accents are absolutely appalling. So as much as I've got a kind of Glasgow nah, accent, I think I would I think I would actually murder that phrase if I tried it. Um <laughs> so yeah. to say murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Job done. Let's stop That's the podcast. It. That's it. Well done, guys. See you tomorrow. Cheers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so like you say, it was quite kind of unconventional. So my mum was in the, the funeral business. So I think I've always been a little bit kind of morbid and had a, an interest in, in that side of things. So started doing forensics and honestly, I absolutely loved it. So I studied up in Dundee and um, we were really fortunate that we got to do a lot with Tayside Police and no offence to any listeners that you may have in Dundee, but let's be honest, it's it's a, a high volume of crime. So it's quite a... Um, quite a good place to study because the, the police are kept very busy as are the forensics. So we were able to do a lot of kind of placement work with them, a lot of crime scene work. And I absolutely, I loved it. But between third and fourth year, I just thought um, it's so difficult to get a job within kind of forensics, within the police, things like that. So I guess I started to think, what exactly am I going to do when I graduate? I wanted to make sure that I was kind of set. So I decided to take a year out and do a placement year. And to be honest, like I hadn't decided on the whiskey industry. I'd applied for a few things. Um, I looked at Shell. I thought maybe going into oil. Um, because my degree was so focused in analytical chemistry, there was a lot that I could do. So I thought about... Um, the kind of gas and oil industry and then um the whiskey industry came up and I thought Do you know what I'll apply um so I applied and it worked out really well because I did my placement year um down in Dumbarton which isn't really that far from from where I live so it meant that I could move back home from Dundee for a year um I did my placement year and I suppose that's where my kind of passion for whiskey really really started so I was in the labs with um, Shivers Brothers for just over a year. So initially doing the kind of analytical chemistry stuff. And then they were trying to develop a whiskey that would um, appeal more to younger people and females. Because there obviously is that kind of whiskey's an old man's drink and we're still trying to break down some of those barriers. So I worked on some new product development with them. And I thought, you know what, this is really, really interesting. This is something that I didn't know I would have a passion for. And I suppose it just kind of went from there. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's so cool. Such a cool story. 
Um, so let's get into your position as master blender. We had one on the show be before. Um, Daz, can you remember his name? What was that guy called again? Uh, uh, Brendan McSporan. Brendan McSporan or Brent, Brendan, Brendan, oh, Brendan McCarran. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's it the guy, small. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Bit of a big deal, that guy. Couldn't fit his ego on the podcast. So uh, yeah, oh, <laughs> took ages to upload. <laughs> this is good because I know he still listens. So yeah, I know. Brendan, he thanks for listening, man. We totally. love you, really. <laughs> yeah, no, he drops us a wee message every now and then and gives us a thumbs up or gives us a bit of grief when we deserve it as well, you know. <laughs> so Julianne, let's let's talk about you've been with Distel now since 2007, I think it is. What projects are you most proud of working on on there? Oh, there's quite a few. So um I, we kind of touched on on Black Bottle earlier, that's been one of our brands. So you'll have seen the Alchemy series. Um, so that was two that I worked on kind of start to finish just as I started my role as Master Blender. Um, so kind of created both of them from scratch, um, Double Cask and, and Island Smoke. And they've done so well. They're taking away so many awards. So that's two that I'm that I'm really, really proud of. Um, but yeah, all our brands are doing so well. I mean, even um, Deanson Virgin Oak is doing phenomenal just now. It's it's grown massively. It's it's winning all sorts of awards. Um, and I'm just so proud that a non-age statement is getting the, the recognition and the attention that it deserves because it's such a phenomenal liquid. Um, so yeah, Deanston Virgin Oak holds a kind of special place in my heart as well. Yeah, there's the, the we, we, I mean, when Brendan was on and, and following that, Mitch and I had kind of gone out of our way to, to explore Deanston a little bit more because I think it's one of those brands. And I think last year we, did we highlight it as the one to watch, Mitch? I think we did, didn't we? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think it was the one that, that we tasted kind of last year at the end of last year and thought if they if they do a few more releases over the next 12 or 18 months, you know, we're really, really excited to see exactly what Deanston's got going on because that virginal, as you say, it has that lovely waxy character. Um, it also has tropical fruit notes. Most of it, most of what I've tried has been American occasion and I love that. Um, and I'm, again, you could layer so many different flavors over that with, you know, your your different casks and things. So I was quite curious to know, just like, because it's a waxy style, that, that was something that, that I wasn't aware of um, going into Tridenston. You know, how, how do you deal with that as a blender? And what, what, I guess, makes it so exciting to work on with those kind of characteristics? Quite unique, I guess. Yeah, the waxy character is really, really unique. So there's only really kind of one other distillery that produces a, a similar spirit. Um, and that's why it's obviously no secret in the whiskey industry. There, there's a lot of kind of trading goes on. And Deanston is really high in demand because of this waxy character. It is so hard um, to kind of replicate that. But for me as a master blender, it, it, it's phenomenal to work with a spirit like Deanston that has that waxy character. So it does a couple of things. It means that Deanston lends itself really well to lots of lots of cask types so that waxy character is, is so kind of bold and so strong that you don't lose Deanston so you could put it in casks that people might think would overpower a whiskey but Deanston's able to kind of hold its own and that waxy character is always there and it also makes an excellent blending whiskey as well so we use it um, a lot in, in Scottish Leader for example um, and that waxy character one it gives you great mouthfeel and two it almost acts as like a kind of binding agent where it's like the glue that holds all the components together um, which is fabulous and that's what you want when obviously you're bringing um, quite a complex blend together so having um, that waxy character in Deanston it, it's just great to work with. Yeah, I, love, I think texture is something that we we do skim over a lot in whiskey. You know, when you look at tasting notes, it's always about nose, 
palate and finish, you know. And I think texture is such a miss because so many different whiskies, the, the way they feel is very different for a number of factors. Where, where is it that waxiness comes from in Deanston? Because it is really distinctive um, and, it, and it does create, like you say, that lovely texture on your palate and it does carry a finish as well. You know, that sweetness seems to linger for quite a while. Where's all that coming from? Yeah, so th that's the thing. I think if you could pinpoint exactly where it came from, a lot of distilleries would be doing it and they would be replicating it. But we can't actually, rep we don't know exactly where it comes from. So you'll get people that tell you it's absolutely coming from the shape of the stills. Um, so the stills in Deanston, obviously, they're, they're absolutely huge. They've got the um, inclining lie pipe, which means we've got a lot of reflux and stuff. And I think that that does add to it. Um, but to pinpoint exactly where it comes from, I think it's just a mixture of everything that goes on in the process at Deanston um, that gives us the, the wonderful waxy character uh, at the end. So, yeah, I do think a lot of it is a build-up of the, the reflux and everything that's going on in our stills. But I, I would be lying if I said that I knew exactly where it came from. Plus, yeah, I don't really want to tell no, anybody. You wouldn't tell anyone if you did know. That's right. That's a secret, isn't it? Secret sauce kind of question. But I guess that's the that's one of the challenges you'll face at Deanston is how do you, if you do make any changes to distillery, modernization, or even just replacements and things, you guys will have to be really careful at that distillery in particular to make sure you don't fiddle around with that waxy character, I suppose. Yeah, so whenever we do replace things, we do try and do it kind of like for like. Um, so we just replaced the mash tun. So it's an 11 ton open top um, iron mash tun. And it's one of the only kind of open top mash tons that's still used in Scotland. So when we replaced that, we basically, you wouldn't actually know that it's been replaced if you saw it today. Um, because we made sure that it still almost looks kind of rustic. It looks the, the same as what it did before it was replaced. It's just that obviously um, the plate at the bottom is, is much better now and it's not got all the holes in it that it used to have. Um, but it essentially looks the same. It's still open top. A lot of people, when they replace their mash tons now, they obviously they put a top on them just for efficiency and things like that. We've decided to keep it open top and keep everything the same. So yeah, whatever work we do at the distillery, we do try and keep, the equipment very very similar to what we're replacing nice now you, you mentioned the, the the distillery and then i think when i think of deanston it doesn't look like a distillery necessarily it's got a very unusual building still old still very interesting but it is definitely different from most distilleries. What's the kind of story there? It was an old mill or something, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, that's right. So Deanston dates kind of all the way back to 1785. Um, and that's when the, the cotton mill was established. And the cotton mill at its kind of peak was employing nearly 1,500 people. Um, so yeah, it, it was like a kind of huge business. Um, and in 18, I think it's about 1830, um, because the cotton industry was basically booming and um, they decided to to do a big expansion and they put in a uh, this huge big water wheel and that obviously um powered the the cotton mill um they had their own currency and everything so it was coins called um dean stones and that's what they paid their their workers with uh, so if you look at the top of our bottles that's essentially what they we um, mark on the top is that's the coin the currency that was used back then when um, they were paying the people uh, in the village of Deanston for, for their work at the cotton mill but obviously sadly the um, 
cotton mill um, closed. So in 1965, the cotton mill closed completely and that's when uh, it became Deemston Distillery. Um, so it was a, a chap called Brodie Hepburn and they basically saw potential in the cotton mill and they believed that that could be the perfect place for making whiskey. Um, so they changed it into the distillery and in 1966, that's when they opened for business and started producing um, Deanston whiskey. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really, really unique building. Um, the water wheels were replaced with uh, turbines back in 1949 but other than that a lot of the the old building kind of remains so the old weaving sheds and um, that's one of our maturation warehouses what's really special about that is just because the temperature um, gradient across the um, warehouse is basically nothing so top to bottom the temperature is pretty much exactly the same and um, which makes it absolutely perfect for maturing whiskey you get a, a really consistent maturation um, and yeah it's just a, a beautiful place to to make whiskey uh, it's a lovely setting um, right in the kind of banks of the river teeth that's where we get our water from so the the river teeth is actually the second fastest flowing river in scotland so that's obviously what used to power the the water wheel and what powers the the turbines um, and it flows over granite which makes it really really soft water and uh, which is exactly what we need for making whiskey so yeah Brodie Hepburn obviously saw that massive potential in the cotton mill and we're very fortunate that um he turned it into a distillery because we wouldn't have the wonderful Deanston whiskey without him nice when you get there Mitch uh, well, I, hate, I was just—I was just going to say—it's probably the distillery I've driven past the most that I've never actually visited, because my oh gran my used goodness. to live in Calendar. Yeah, because you know, coming from Edinburgh to Calendar to visit my gran, used to pass it all the time before you hit Dune, and I always that's used right. to see it, and and I have never been in yet, so that's that's really bad of me, but yeah, definitely love to go down. Um, so Julianne, let's talk about the range within Deanston for for people that might maybe listening right now. Uh, what is out there with regards to Deanston? What what kind of characteristics can you expect from the the, the core range that's out there at the moment? So typically with Deanston, we tend to use American oak. It just really really suits the the style um, of the spirit. So for our core range for Deanston, we've got virgin oak. Um, so Virgin Oak starts its journey uh, in bourbon barrels. It's matured mainly at the distillery. And then we finish it for six months in Virgin Oak barrels just to give it um, that kind of little bit extra, uh, rounds it off a little bit and gives it a little bit more depth. Um, all of our core range goes at 46.3% ABV and is unchill filtered. We don't add any colour or anything like that. So because we're obviously not chill filtering and we have that waxy character, what I love about our core range is that mouthfeel and that coating that it gives you. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, Virgin Oak's obviously a non-age statement, but it's it's been winning so many awards. It's an exceptional liquid. Um, and it's definitely one to try. What I love about Virgin Oak is I think that it's it's a very good whiskey for somebody who's maybe starting on their whiskey journey, who's just getting into it. Um, it's quite light. It's easy to drink. It's very versatile. So you can have it, um, you can have it neat, or you can have it in a cocktail. You can have it in an old fashioned, something like that. So definitely, Deanston Virgin Oak is 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 for everybody. Um, I think anybody, no matter where you are in your whiskey journey, would enjoy it. And then we've got our 12-year-old, which is kind of very typically Deanston. Um, so it matured in, in bourbon casks for 12 years. We've then got our 18-year-old. Um, 
which again is kind of classic house style Deanston. So I call it a 16 plus two. So it's 16 years in refill and then two years in the bourbon casks. And even Deanston just going into your kind of standard oak ca refill casks, absolutely phenomenal liquid that it produces. And then, like I say, we just finish it for the two years in bourbon. We also produce uh, um, organic spirit at Deanston, which is obviously quite unusual, quite unique. Um, so what we do when we close our distillery down for kind of maintenance and stuff through the summer, um, once it's all been stripped, cleaned down, we start it back up usually on organic and we do a very, very small production run of um, Deanston organic. Um, so the malt comes like a malt passport. We can trace that back to make sure that it's obviously uh, organically certified. And then we fill it into usually um, virgin oak casks or any organic casks that we can get our hands on. So we've got some organic sherry casks and stuff that we're starting to use. Um, so we used to have a, a 15 year old um, Deanston Organic, that was our kind of core, but I think you're going to see Deanston Organic really starting to change. So because it's such a small volume that we produce, I think it's, it's something like 2% of the actual production at the distillery. So we're going to try and make it something kind of really special, make it really premium, kind of small batch. Um, so yeah, that's that's one to kind of look out for the changes that, that we're making with Deanston Organic. And what have you noticed when you're when you're putting that together? Is there any major difference with the organic spirit and, and the organic casks that you're using? Yeah, so there actually is a difference. Um, so production-wise, we pretty much do the exact same. It's the same cut points and stuff that we use for our standard um Deanston spirit, but obviously the, the barley's kind of slightly different. Um and the, the casks that we're using are they're either rechar casks or the virgin oak. Um and typically for Deanston, it goes into to bourbon or something like that. So it's that little bit sweeter, but because the, the organic can't go into the bourbon casks. Um, yeah, the, the character is different. Come When it comes of age, it's a lot more kind of woody, a lot more vanilla, um, notes of coconut and stuff in there. But it's, it's a really light and, and wonderful spirit. It's something really different. Very cool. Yeah, that's class. Yeah, really, it's such a it's, a it's such an interesting distillery, and it's one that yeah we need to we just need to get more of, don't we, Mitch? Basically, just need to keep following the releases as they come out because it's it's um yeah one of those that does maybe drifts under the radar a little bit, Deanston. You know, uh, you you've obviously got priorities with Boona Haven and things like that, and it feels like Deanston's just on the boil there underneath that. Absolutely, yeah, I do get a little bit frustrated with that because obviously. I look after Tobermory, Bonnehaven, Deanston, and I love each of them equally. But like you say, Bonnehaven's the one that's out there. It gets all the attention. And it, quite rightly, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. But Deanston's obviously fantastic in its own right. And I, I want us to start really getting behind Deanston and really shouting about it. Um, and you absolutely must visit the distillery. You're, you're welcome anytime. And I'll make sure um, I'm there or Brendan's there and we'll take you around and we can look at some special casks. And honestly, you will just absolutely fall in love with it even more. Yeah. And speaking of special casks and things then, is there anything that, that is really different that you've been experimenting with, with changes in recent laws and things like that? Is there anything in there that you can give us a wee bit of a snippet into or is that... Um... Is that not allowed? <laughs> um, so without giving away too much, Deanston, we're really fortunate. Deanston's such an adaptable spirit. So you can put Deanston into any cask and it just works. It's absolutely phenomenal. It lends itself so well to 
pretty much any cast that I've put it in. So one of the things on, on the show that we always do, Julianne, is um, sort of interesting facts. And I think you've mentioned one of them already about Deanston with the, the organic uh, production that I'm sure a lot of people listening wouldn't have known. Can you give us another two interesting facts about Deanston that potentially people listening would never know about? Uh, interesting fact. So definitely about the coin and looking at the top of the bottle. So that, like I say, um, they had their own currency when they were in the cotton mill um, and that's what they, they paid the workers in. And we have tried to kind of stay true to our, our past and our history. So definitely look at the, the top of your bottle um, and you'll see the, the coins being basically stamped into the top. So that's that's one. Is there any of those um, coins left? Are they, are they kind of an archive or in a heritage centre or anything I, like that? Is there? I actually think at the distillery, there, there's a few that we've got, um, which we talk about and we've got them framed and, and we show people the coins and we talk about obviously our past and we tell people the story about that. So. If you come to the distillery, I'm sure there's a few there that you can have yeah. a look at. Don't don't tell Daz that. We'll try and steal it. <laughs> try and make some money off like it. Like a wee magpie, totally. Exactly. <laughs> oh, shiny thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and another fact. So our the very first bottle of Deanston whiskey um, that was released was in 1974. So a lot of people won't know what year we actually um, released the first bottle. So after production started, they waited about eight years um, and that's when they launched the first bottle of Deanston whiskey. So 1974. Mm. That was a good year. A lot of good things were, uh, were launched in that year, including <laughs> me. Oh, I forget you're you a decade older than me, Mitch. Oh, I know, mate. Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for that. Um, so, Julianne, before we wrap up, I want to go to go back to you and your role just as the master blender. Um, what do you enjoy most about your 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 position there? Yeah, so I think what I love most about my job is that every day is so different. It's so varied. So one day I could be doing the new make spirit from all our distilleries, assessing that, scoring it, seeing how the, the distilleries are getting on and making sure that they're producing um, new make, which is still in line with the character that we're looking for. The next day I could be ordering casks, so really looking at our kind of five-year plan for limited editions, picking out some really unique casks and deciding what to put in it. Um, if it's going to be a finish, a maturation, what we're doing with that. Um, like you say, looking, assessing all these upcoming limited editions, doing tasting notes, um, and then things like what we're doing today, where I, I get the chance to do podcasts, I get the chance to do masterclasses, um, just really speaking to people about uh, the whiskies that I'm creating and a bit about my journey and just, yeah, meeting people along the way. So it's, it's so varied and that's what I absolutely love about it. Yeah, I think we've discussed this before, Daz and I. It's, it's quite interesting, the role of the master blender, master distiller now, because you're very public-facing, aren't you? And it's, I suppose it's, it, you obviously seem like you come across and you do that very easily, uh, chatting to people. But I think there's other others out there in production and, and, and doing this kind of role that struggle with it a little bit, let's say, right? Yeah, I think you just need to sort of throw yourself into it. So I'll be honest, at first, when I started, it wasn't something that I was the most confident at doing. And then the more you do it and you realize that when you're doing masterclasses and things like this or speaking to people like yourself, people are there and people are talking to you because they absolutely love whiskey. So you share the same passion. So really you do have something in common with these people. And as soon as you kind of strike up conversation and start talking about whiskey, it's like the conversation just flows. Um, and it's almost like you've known these people for years. Um, so no, I, I really enjoy it now, but it is all about kind of getting out of your comfort zone and, and throwing yourself into it. Um, and yeah, just building confidence that I'm really big on 
people across our full business building their confidence and doing kind of brand ambassadorial stuff with them because I want everybody to be able to go out and talk about our amazing brands. Yeah. And just on that note, are you have you got any trips coming up this year? Are you going abroad anywhere, doing any whiskey shows or anything like that? Um, so we've got Fizio coming up, so I'll be over in Isla for that. That's the, that's the first one that I'm doing. And then hoping to get out to Spain um, in September to look at the sherry casks. So that's been a long time coming. Obviously, with the pandemic, we weren't able to travel very much. Um, and then South Africa. So we're doing... Um, a big thing with Scottish, Scottish leader in South Africa. So we're just trying to get that trip organised just now. So that'll be the next one that I do. Um, and then after that, I'm, I'm not sure. Things just seem to kind of crop up and slip into the diary when you least expect it. So well, give us a shout, Julianne, if you need someone to, you know, if you're really busy and you need someone to hold a glass of Fino or, you know, hold a plate of Manchego when you're down in Jerez, Mitch and I are always available to do those really difficult tasks, you know. I know, honestly, I've got, I've got one of the most difficult jobs in the world, going all these places <laughs> and tasting these amazing whiskies and amazing sherries and everything else. Yeah, it is a special though, isn't it? And it's funny because it's quite an unlikely partner when you think about Scotland and where the distilleries are. You know, we're cold and it feels, you know, like a, a very, very different world. And when you go down to the south of Spain, it's, it's just beautiful. It's very relaxed, beautifully warm and quite unlikely partners. But in some ways, it, it seems very likely when you're actually there and... and hearing how people talk about flavor, hearing how people explore these different varieties of casks and things. It's uh, that's an amazing place. I'm always sort of, my mind's blown usually when I'm down there in the bodegas. It's brilliant. Oh yeah, it is. It is. It's an absolutely beautiful place. And for anybody who, who does love whiskey, it is something that you should go and see because so many, obviously, whiskey um, companies are using these sherry casks for um, the maturation. So it's definitely worth going to see if, if you're able to go. And like you say, they just go hand in hand. The way they talk about flavour and the craft of making these beautiful casks, it's, it's just phenomenal. So I absolutely love going for a visit. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening, Julianne. Thank you so much for your time and being on the show. We know you're you're very busy when it comes to what you do, so we do appreciate you taking 30 minutes out to, to chat with us. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you so much for having me. And like I said, please do come and visit Deanston. You're welcome anytime. You're on just, am, as, just as long uh, as Brendan's not there and it's you taking us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm driving past on Saturday or Friday. Um, so I don't know if it's open to the public or not, but if it is, I'll definitely drop in. And if I don't, I won't see you there then. Um, but I'll look forward to seeing you uh, in a couple of weeks up at Fish. Yep, absolutely. Yep, it's open to the public. So please do stop in and I will see you uh, in June on our Fish Day. Brilliant. Perfect. Cheers, All right, guys, guys. And thank you for listening. Uh, until next time, see you later. See you later.